This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Many of us enjoyed time outdoors during the warm weather last week. But for some people, hot weather outside means sweltering temperatures inside and no air conditioning. Now, on Sunday, three women died of suspected heat exhaustion at the James Snyder Apartments, a facility for seniors and people with disabilities in Rogers Park. When we got into the apartment, it was 102 degrees on the thermostat. While we were with my aunt, grieving her, the ambulance showed up. There was another deceased person on the seventh floor. I just told them I didn't want to die in my apartment. You can't breathe in there. You just heard from Teresa Grigorczyk, the niece of one of the victims, and Lauren Barnes, who shared a floor with a woman who died. Now, the three women have been identified. Their names are Dolores McNeely, who was 76, Gwendolyn Osborne, who was 72, and Janice Reed, 68. Now, local officials are asking questions about what happened and how to keep it from happening again. Maria Haddon is the alderwoman of Chicago's 49th Ward. That's the ward where the James Snyder apartments are in. Alderwoman, welcome back to Reset. Hi, thank you. How did you first hear about the air conditioning being off in this building? Um, I heard it directly from residents. Um, So actually, one of the residents you um, uh, had some audio featured from, Lorna, um, she gave me a call to my cell phone on Thursday. We had a couple more calls from residents to my ward office as well. Um, with complaints about the heat. Lorna had left the building. She has breathing issues. um, And they asked me to help them. They said that they'd been asking the building to turn on the air conditioning since Tuesday. Um, There'd been no change. And so Thursday, um, I went over to the building myself. So you visited the building and you talked to the managers? Um, I did, right? Talked to the managers. We had to talk to um, more senior management. So managers on site at the building um, aren't the ones who have the authority to um, to schedule that changeover or make that decision. And so I had to talk to some more senior management with Hispanic Housing Development Corporation. Um, and um, Thursday when I was there, so not only was the air conditioning not on, but when, when I spoke to someone, they let me know that the heat was still running and that on Thursday while I was there, they're like, we're going to turn the heat off. Right. And we're, you know, we've got times to schedule to turn the AC on, but normally they don't do it until June 1st. Mm-hmm. And they, they said that they would move that up a little bit sooner, but the heat was still running. So in people's apartments, um, their units, they only have control to turn the fan off or on and, you know, kind of high or low on the blower for the fan. Yeah. And the building uh, is like the heat and air is controlled by the building systems. So that means residents who were being told will turn on the fan in your unit as, as late as Thursday afternoon. If you turned on the fan in your unit, you were getting hot air from the heating system blown into your unit. Yeah, the city's heat ordinance requires landlords to keep temperatures to at least 68 degrees during the day and 66 degrees at night between September 15th and June 1st. And obviously we're still uh, making our way to June 1st. Wow, the the Hispanic Housing Development Corporation, that's who manages this building. So tell us more. What have you heard from them? Um, So I I believe they put out a statement. Um, I I haven't seen it directly, but I have have seen it quoted that they're looking into this, they're working on it. Um, I know even talking with folks on site. So the on-site management has been 
um, really great to work with in my office over my couple of years here. Um, and I know residents feel like they're, they're good staff, but I do hear complaints from residents. This isn't the first time that upper management doesn't necessarily listen. They're not very responsive to resident complaints. And of course, Hispanic Housing is not the only management company where this has been an issue. So after um, the tragedy on Saturday last week and the media attention that it received, I had residents from other senior buildings in my ward calling Monday morning saying the same thing happened to us. Now, no one died. A couple of these buildings are situated a little differently. Um, they've got more tree cover. The ambient temperatures didn't get as hot, mm -hmm. but they were concerned because when they asked management and complained about it being so hot, their management companies also told them, well, the city's ordinance says, right, we have to do this for the heat, so we can't turn on the air conditioning yet. Do you think the city's heat ordinance needs to change in any way? Um, you know, I'm, I was pretty angry and still am at the way that these management companies have interpreted the heat ordinance. Um, common sense um, would say that if it's 90 degrees outside, if it's 85 degrees outside, if you're measuring the temperatures in the units and there are well above 68 degrees, then you probably shouldn't have your heat on um, and that they need to be more attentive to their community members' needs when it comes to deciding when they're going to turn on the air conditioning. Yeah. That being said, our Department of Buildings, um, Public Health, Department of Family Support Services, our law department, um, myself and our uh, chair of the housing committee, um, our Alderman Osterman and Alderman Cardona in the 31st Ward um, are actively engaging and reviewing our current ordinance and seeing how we can make improvements and updates, um, especially regarding, I think, one factor of this, which is it gets hotter earlier sometimes now, right? Yeah. Have you talked with the families of the women who died? With a couple of them. So um, I, I met Miss um, Reeds, one of her sisters and her niece, um, who you had a clip from on Saturday on site. Um, and then on Sunday, I met um, the family of uh, Miss McNeely. Um, I haven't yet been in contact with the family of Miss Osborne. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's so tragic um, that their loved ones uh, passed away. Um, I think these were preventable preventable deaths. And the Snyder community, the residents there are pretty tight knit. They know each other. They, they socialize together. They, they shop together. They, they spend time together. And this has been very hard on neighbors um, as well. Not every building in Chicago has central air conditioning. We know that, right? So, so should that be a priority, you think, for, for redesigning buildings? It, it certainly should. And I, I think, I, I don't know what all the building code pieces are, but we don't have a lot of new construction here in the 49th Ward, um, but most new construction is central air, right? There's central air in their systems that are more efficient. Um, I know with a lot of the city's climate action goals, there are a lot of moves towards building electrification. Um, and I think a lot of recognition going forward with new construction, but we do have, um, I think, a big challenge with some of our older buildings and facilities. Um, now, most buildings like the size of Snyder or some of the larger buildings that um, house seniors or other residents around the city, they do have central air conditioning systems. And that's where I think, you know, we're going to try and target some of our, our ordinance revision yeah. is if you've got if you've got central air and it's controlled by the building, what could we as the city um, do to be giving better guidance 
and then have more protections for residents um, so that um, we don't we don't have this kind of tragedy again. The uh, Hispanic Housing Development Corporation did send a statement to WTTW, and that read in part, quote, the safety and security of all our residents have always been our highest priority. We're working with the city of Chicago and conducting our own investigation into last week's circumstances. Alderwoman, another problem that happened during the heat wave was that the uh, the air conditioning systems actually failed in 25 Chicago public schools. What happened there? You know, I um, I had an issue with one of my schools here. We need to put more capital investment in our schools. And, uh, you know, when we look at our public systems and we, we have uh, an education committee meeting with budget hearings at 1 p.m. today. Um, uh, not sure if that's on your radar, but um, I do serve on that committee myself. Okay. Um, Alderwoman uh, Jeanette Taylor of the 20th Ward and Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez of the 33rd Ward. We put in a resolution calling for hearings because many of our schools face budget cuts around the city. And we've got big questions about what's happening with all the ARPA funds. Um, it's not new that Chicago public schools have large capital deficits. Um, one of the schools in my area during the, the heat wave last week called in a panic because they had classrooms in the hallway. Um, the air conditioning system had, had partially failed. Mm -hmm. They were able to get it up and running um, later that evening with some additional assistance. Um, but it's a thing they go through every year. And so I've, I've got a lot of questions about how we can be more prepared and how we're prioritizing those capital funds. And, um, you know, maybe that's something we can do with some of the ARPA funds, because it certainly affects the health and safety yeah. of, of everyone in our school systems and our school environments. And this isn't new now, right? Yeah. It gets hot in Chicago in the summers, heat starts earlier and goes later. Well, um, tenants who don't have heat can report their landlords to 311. But before I let you go, Alderwoman, what's your advice for tenants that are in hot apartments right now with no air conditioning. So, yeah, so we need people, um, call 311. If you're ever in, if you're ever in question, call 311. The city does actually provide cooling centers. And, and I'll say these might be other adjustments we do. We're really good about getting out this information, having libraries, parks, um, even cooling buses when we know big heat waves are coming available to people. We'll have cooling centers open for extended hours even. Um, I think with climate change and some of these heat waves coming earlier, we might have to work on preparedness for that earlier. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have AC or if the AC is not functioning in your building, if it's an emergency, if it's been multiple days, if you're hot and not feeling well, call 911, right? Call 911. We can conduct wellness checks. We can have someone who will help you get to uh, someplace that is cooler. Um, so that, please, if you have any kind of medical conditions, um, breathing conditions, <sighs> Don't hesitate to call 911 for an emergency. Um, if it's not an emergency, call your alderman's office or call 311 and ask for resources on how to get to a cooling center. Maria Haddon is the alderwoman of Chicago's 49th ward on the city's far north side. Alderwoman, thanks for making the time. Thank you. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Reset, and we are talking about the heat wave last week that turned deadly. As the temperature outside got into the 90s, Three women at the James Snyder Apartments in Rogers Park died of suspected heat exhaustion. Their apartments were at 102 degrees. Now, unfortunately, this isn't the first time heat waves in Chicago have taken people's lives. Back in July of 1995, there was a devastating heat wave that killed more than 700 people in a single week. 
So joining us to give some historical context is Eric Kleinenberg. He's a sociologist at New York University and the author of Heat Wave, A Social Autopsy of Disaster in Chicago. Hi, Eric. Welcome back. Thanks. Good to be here, Sasha. Eric, when you hear about these women who died last weekend, does it remind you of anything that you learned from your years of research? Well, we still uh, fail to appreciate the health hazards of heat. As much experience as we've had with it at this point, as much as we talk about climate change and global warming, uh, when it hits us, too many people are unaware. And it's not just the individuals who die, management companies, uh, city government agencies, uh, our public health communications community. Uh, we, we just need to be more focused on what it means to be living through global warming. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, listening to your conversation with the other woman, it's so clear that we have set up the city. We've set, we've set up our infrastructure. We've set up our social systems. We've set up our culture to deal with a climate that doesn't exist anymore. And we are trying to adjust, but it's very hard. When the 1995 heat wave first hit, the city and the media, they treated it as this small annoyance. Here's then-Mayor Richard M. Daley. It's hot. It's hot out there. Let's, we all walk out there. It's very, very, very hot. We go to extremes in Chicago. And that's why people love Chicago. Sounds like a marketing strategy. He said, we go to extremes in Chicago. That's why people love Chicago. Was it common, Eric, to downplay the excruciating heat at that time? Uh, it, it was. I mean, they're, they're, in, in my book, I write about meteorologists on television in Chicago who were you know, having duels with meteorologists in Phoenix to see where the egg would fry fastest on the street. Uh, there are lots of kind of light feature stories about people buying air conditioners. Uh, we, we, we didn't take it seriously then, and the city took it as a public relations challenge more than as a public health crisis. You know, in fact, when the COVID pandemic started, I got onto Twitter, which is usually not a good idea in life. But uh, in that moment, I was writing about the startling parallels between Chicago's response and the mayor's response to the heat wave as it came into the city and the Trump administration's response to the COVID pandemic as it started in the U.S., you know, really denying that it was serious. Uh, assuring everyone that things were going to be fine, making light of the situation, expressing confidence. Um, and, you know, with, with the heat, the, the issue is for, for, for the most affluent people, you just press a button and you turn your air conditioning on and the problem goes away. But the reality is, uh, you know, Chicago is a very unequal city. Uh, it's a very segregated city by race and by class. And there are hundreds of thousands of people in Chicago who don't have air conditioning at home, yeah. who don't have a button to press. And they are the ones who are at risk, you know, people who are old, alone, isolated, Mm -hmm. people living in hotel residences. Uh, There are people we need to attend to all the time, but especially in heat waves. So people who are socially isolated, they can't get help as easily, right? But what about these women in, in Rogers Park? Other tenants in the building had complained to the landlord. I can't speak to exactly what happened in that building, of course. I don't know the story, but uh, am I surprised to hear that you know, residents complained uh, about the heat? No. Am, am I surprised to hear that the management for uh, buildings in Chicago uh, turned turned away from those requests, uh, did not take them seriously, 
not not at all. I mean, Ch- Chicago is. A, I'm from Chicago. It's my native city. Uh, it's a city I love, and there's so many great things about people in Chicago. But we don't necessarily in Chicago take the pain of people who are really in trouble seriously. We, it's a city that has tolerated a level of suffering and inequality for decades. It's just we we, we just turn away from it, and so in a, in a way. When building management turns away from requests of low-income tenants who say, it's stifling and hot in my room, can you please do something? They're, they're doing what Chicago does too much of the time, mm-hmm. uh, not take seriously what we, what we live with. And the, the, in fact, the reason I wrote the Heatwave book years ago is because it seemed to me like that tragedy really expressed something fundamentally true about Chicago. And I believe it still does. And, uh, you know, unfortunately... Uh, the story of the heat wave, which began in 1995, becomes more relevant every year. And I, I, could, I should tell you, Sasha, I've, I've been having conversations about heat waves on WBEZ for 20 years now. Uh, this is the first time we've been doing it after a heat death in May. And I wouldn't be surprised if we wind up doing it after a heat death in October before too long either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's about heat, but it's also about inequality and issues in Chicago that are at the core of what the city is. Dig into that a little bit more, Eric, the, the inequalities when it comes to air conditioning. What were the differences along racial and class lines when you were researching? Well, the, the differences were profound. Uh, black people in Chicago, for instance, uh, uh, were significantly more likely to die than white people. It's especially true after you kind of controlled for age. You know, black people on average tend to be younger than white people in Chicago. They should have had lower death rates than they did in 1995. So there was a clear racial pattern. That's true at the individual level. It was also true at the neighborhood level. Uh, the big neighborhood clusters of death were on the south side and the west side. And those are you know, places that have concentrated poverty and racial segregation. And it, it's not a surprise that that's where the deaths were. Um, that's where problems in Chicago are concentrated because when you organize a city around racial segregation or class segregation, uh, as Chicago did by design through the government, through neighborhood associations that pushed segregation, uh, those are the kinds of outcomes you come up with all the time. And so, you know, for me, what was startling about the heat wave was not the fact that the death patterns happened in the way they did. It was that the city did so much to deny the seriousness of the occasion. And in fact, you know, I had wrote a couple chapters of my book about all the work it took politically, journalistically, and culturally for yeah. Chicago to minimize the seriousness of what happened in so 1995. What, what more, then, could the city have done that it didn't do? I, I mean, I could... Uh, I, I, do you have a minute? Yeah, uh, I do, actually. The, the city had a heat emergency plan, uh, for instance, in 1995. Uh, they forgot that they had it and didn't activate it. It literally sat on the shelf in the health department. Uh, the city could have called in backup ambulances and paramedics because uh, there was a backlog. They had far too many people uh, calling in for emergency care, and they chose not to. That wasn't a surprise because the mayor was on vacation, the health commissioner was on vacation, the fire commissioner was on vacation. Um, in Chicago, when it gets very hot in the summer, powerful, affluent people leave town. They go to the beach. 
Uh, that's not just true in Chicago. It's true in a lot of places. And it's not really a moral indictment. It's a reality about our social structure. But people weren't attending to the crisis. And journalistically, had the media signal an alarm the way that the media do when, say, a hurricane is coming and mm-hmm. given people several days of notice about the danger, they would have effectively been calling in the A-team back to the city. Uh, the media didn't do that. I mean, if if there's a hurricane that's about to hit Chicago, uh, everyone's going to come, but they didn't do that for the heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- gotcha. That's just uh, kind of the beginning of, of what the city could so have done. So it sounds uh, to me like yep. you're saying not much has changed when it comes to response these inequ- these inequalities here in Chicago? Well, so for sure the inequalities are there. Uh, you know, everybody living in Chicago listening to this program right now knows that the inequalities that were there in the 1990s are there right now. They're, let's not kid ourselves. But uh, no, the city is much more aware of the dangers of a heat wave. And in ordinary times, the heat wave comes in you know, late June or July or August, and the media is ready, and everyone's practiced doing their public health statements. And, and so, yeah, we, we, we take it seriously. We talk about checking in on your neighbors. But the difference this time is it's May. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, nobody's talking about that in May. We haven't even hit Memorial Day yet. And, and so the part of the story that the, that the media hasn't caught up on, and certainly the city hasn't either, is that global warming means that dangerous heat waves can come in May not just in July. Yeah. They can come in September or October. And we really need to emphasize this, uh, you know, as, as we go through this transformation because of how much fossil fuel we are burning. Yeah. Uh, we are creating, a, we're creating cities that, that are hotter for longer, earlier in the year, later in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have high night temperatures. And, you know, that we're, it, it, it's it's kind of maybe it's surprising there were just a handful of deaths last week. Uh, how, do we know how many people died? What's the excess deaths for Chicago last week? I don't know. But, you know, in Europe in 2003, there was a heat wave that lasted three weeks. And everyone talked about the French heat wave. There are about 15,000 deaths in France. in France. France has 60 million people. And I did the math and I realized that the death rate in France from a three-week heat wave that mm-hmm. was truly catastrophic was the same as the death rate in Chicago in 95 from a three-day heat wave. Wow. And so we should be asking ourselves, what happens in Chicago if a heat wave that's really extreme comes and settles over the city for three weeks? How's the power grid going to work? How are the hospitals going to work? Uh, we'll have you, to... Are you going to be able to get up and down from your, from your apartment if you live in a high-rise building? I don't think anybody in Chicago has thought about that problem seriously enough. And it's just a matter of time before some, it happens. Some very important questions there, Eric. We'll, we'll have to leave it there for now. Eric Kleinenberg is a sociologist at New York University and author of Heat Wave, A Social Autopsy of Disaster in Chicago. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.